The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. All right, John chapter 15, if you have your Bible. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Last week, we were in John chapter 15. I read verses 1 to 17 last week from the NIV. We're going to kind of go a little tighter to John 15, 5 to 11 this morning. And I want us to continue the conversation. Uh, last, last week's sermon was simple. What, what, has been the, what has been the prevailing endeavor of Christ Church is to stay close to Jesus. Um, we, we see our vital union with Christ as being the centerpiece of all of the scriptures and our spiritual life. And so we're joined with Jesus by faith. And we want to experience a life-giving relationship with him, filled by the Holy Spirit. And so our, our goal is very simple, stay put. Stay put. So we stay close to Jesus. We stay constant in mission. God's, God's passion is people. And so we want to make sure that we stay focused on what's most important to God. Can I get amen? And then we want to do the hard work of staying connected to each other. Uh, relationships are difficult and they require work and effort and forgiveness and forbearance and commitment and affection and sacrifice. And so it's way easier to hang out with people until you don't like them and then find new people. And so we're going to not do that. We're going to stay connected to others. But as we were closing the service last week, we were talking about this idea of abiding and remaining, the thing that Jesus talks about in John chapter 15. It struck me that there are people present in all of our services who are new to faith or who have never really experienced a daily dependent relationship with God that was actually life-giving. And I just felt stirred by the Holy Spirit uh, in each service, actually, to talk about what it means to abide and how we are supposed to do that. And as I opened up that conversation to my beautiful bride this past week, she also reminded me that it's important that we not only know how to abide, but why to abide. And so I want to take the little bit of time we have this morning to ask and answer those questions. So John chapter 15, starting in verse 5, let's read it together. I am the vine, Jesus speaking, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Anybody want their joy full this morning? Well, God, we thank you for your word that's been read in our hearing. We thank you that it reveals to us the heart of our Savior Jesus, and he reveals to us the heart of the Father. And so, God, we have every confidence that this morning, as we give our attention to what you have spoken to us and over us, and what you are inviting us to participate in, that you will not only convey your own joy into our hearts and spirits by faith, 
and the miracle of your generous grace, God, but that you will complete, fill, fulfill our joy that we can not live on empty, God, but that we can live overflowing with all the fullness of God. Lord, we ask for you to do what only you can do and we just give you our attention. The little bit of faith we have, we fix on Jesus. We pray, God, that you would move mountains in our lives as we learn to turn to you, to trust in you, to pursue you, and to do so evermore until you return. We thank you for how you're gonna change our minds and renew our hearts this morning. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We did a little bit of traveling uh, the past month, and one of the things I've noticed, um, even through air travel, which we didn't do this month, but in February we flew as a family. That was exciting. Uh, One of the things I've noticed is how different the world has become over the last 10, 15 years when it comes to phone chargers. Now, some of you are young in this service, but there was a time when mobile phones were new, where every airport had four people sitting on the floor sharing the outlet. Do you guys remember those days? Remember when you're in the airport and your phone was dead and you're looking around and the outlets were like we're in the most, they were only for vacuum cleaners. That's what they were for back then. And so you would see the little huddle of people sitting on the floor with their little chargers and you may experience the, the sheer generosity of someone giving you their charger for just long enough for you to get 8% on your battery before your flight. And, and I, I was thinking about, about 10 years ago, I noticed that they started having like, um, De- like tables, like workstations, and in the middle of them was a plug. Like every three or four feet, there was like a plug and you could put your charger in there. And that's great, unless you're like me and you don't bring your charger with you. Anybody else gonna confess to the non-charger bringer? Um, and then after that, like five years ago, I noticed that they skipped the outlets and they went to the USB transformer was built right in. So you didn't even need the little wall-mounted piece. All that you needed was your actual charger. They may connect to your computer or whatever. And um, recently I noticed now there's like, you can walk up to like a workstation in an airport or a bus stop or even hotel lobbies. And they have like an octopus of chargers hanging out of these little charging stations. And they have like every conceivable plug that could possibly still be in existence. Even like the old uh, 16 pin iPhone, with the little fangs on the side. You remember those? And I'm thinking, wow, we've come a long way when it comes to recharging. And, And part of the Reason for that is that the entire world is now running on battery, are we not? And I think this is really helpful for us because in our spiritual journey, we can forget that we also run on a battery. Uh, you know how annoying it gets when your phone battery starts to go out and you can't even make it through a full day without plugging it in. You know, you had it on the charger all night and by 11 o'clock in the morning, you're at 13% and you have lots of work to do and lots of phone calls to make. And so uh, this is a really good picture for us when it comes to our spiritual life because um, we act sometimes spiritually as if we just remain plugged in all the time. And that is indeed not the case. And so Jesus' command to us in this passage, and this is obviously given to his disciples on the night of his betrayal and just um, preceding his execution. And so these, these are like the last words of Jesus to his disciples before they go through the trauma of their lives. 
And these are also true for disciples of Jesus throughout the ages, and they're true for every one of us this morning. And so as we as a church endeavor to stay close to Jesus, as we make it our, our commitment to stay constant in mission and to do the work of staying connected to one another, we need what Jesus is describing here. And I recognize that some of us have been doing this for some length of time and it's very normal. And then there's others of us who have been trying for a long time and never quite figured it out. And then there's those of us who have no idea uh, what it is that we're doing. And so without identifying you in any of those three groups, I would love to take a little bit of time this morning for us to talk about uh, abiding. What does it look like to daily connect with the Lord. Now, how many of you guys grew up hearing people talk about their quiet times? Raise your hand. It's funny, my mom used to use that term when I was growing up and she would try to be the first one up. And so I was an early riser um, in our family. And so I would wake up to my mom already awake and she would be at the kitchen table and she'd have her Bible open. She had this, this ratty old New King James version that she had written all over and it had like lettuce in it. And it was all, it was well-used Bible, had a lot of miles on it, it was falling apart. You know, Job was just hanging out there loose, stuffed in the front. And, and then she had these composition notebooks, like those 89 cent composition notebooks with the black and white swirlies on the front. You guys know that? And so she, she just would journal in there and she'd always have her pen. And she was a homeschool mom, so so she had one of those pens that had the four pens, the red and the green and the blue and the black. You remember those? And the red always went out first because that's how she graded our work. And so she would be up there with, uh, with her Bible and, and, um, and we would all be waking up and scurrying around the kitchen and getting our breakfast and everything. And, and, um, and I would ask her one time, like, what are, you, what are you doing when you, like, when you do this? What do you do? And she's like, I'm having a quiet time. It's like the least quiet ever. And I just, I have, there's seven, there were seven of us kids living in a, in a small space. It was not quiet. And I always wondered, like, why do you call it that? And, and uh, some people will call it their devotions. How many of you guys grew up hearing devotions? If you're a student of like uh, Henry Blackaby or Jerry Bridges, you'll hear terms like daily communion or, or spiritual disciplines. Have you guys ever heard that phrase? If you're real serious, if you've heard that one. But whatever you call it, study time, prayer time, quiet time, devotions, it's been a practice of Christians through all ages and in all cultures to devote a part of their day to connecting with the Lord through prayer, scripture, meditation, solitude, reflection. And so this is a normal part of the Christian life. Now, my mom did this and she kind of taught us to do this. And so but I, I felt like by the time I was like, and I saw myself kind of as, as a, an adult, 17, 18, 19, I started doing this and um, it was very hard. Um, I'm not good at sitting still and my mind runs. And so when I sit down in quiet, places with uh, the Bible open and I try to read. I'm one of those people that gets like four sentences in and my eyes are still reading, but my brain is doing something else. Anybody else like that? And so I would do this and spend, and I would sometimes I'd be like, I'm going to do this for 30 minutes and then I'm going to get about my day. And I would do it. And it felt like an hour had passed by and it had been eight minutes, you know? And, and, um, and you do this regularly expecting to reap some reward. And sometimes all you did was uh, waste eight minutes. And so I've been through this whole journey in my own life of how, how does this work and why is this important and are there other ways to do it? And I find it very easy to watch an hour of television or to listen to the radio or a podcast, but what is it about this transaction that's so vital that Jesus talks about and what are we supposed to get out of it? What's it supposed to feel like and how are we supposed to make it uh, happen? I'd like you to consider for a moment um, the fact that you were made for this why, why abide? Why do the work of learning how to connect with God in a daily dependent kind of a way? 
there, the first reason for why you should abide is um, it's your identity. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 15 and verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, Jesus also said he is the door. So these are euphemisms. These are a way of explaining something about the nature of God and the nature of us. We are not sticks, we are not branches, but inasmuch as Christ is a vine, a life-giving source, we are a branch. We are an outgrowth of that vine. We receive life from that vine. The fruit we bear is a result of our connection to that vine. We are a conduit of spiritual power, not the source of spiritual power. Do you see it? And so when we begin to look on the inside of us to find the source for our continued growth and improvement as a person, we are gonna find ourselves lacking. And so, so much of the, the world's instruction about how we're supposed to grow and overcome and change has us looking inward, self-affirmation. I am enough. I am enough. People, doggone it, people like me, you know? I am good enough and I am smart enough. And so we say these things to ourselves and we try to get ourselves thinking in a positive way and not to say there's no value and now there's some, but without a connection to the vine, the branch is nothing. Do you understand this? And so we have to start to recognize daily, like not only were you made for this, like you, you need this. At the identity level, you need what only God can give. The problem is we all have this little battery. And if we're not trying to endeavor in anything spiritual, if we're not trying to accomplish anything that God's commissioned us to, if we're not trying to change anything about us, we can live natural lives very easily without any recharge. Do you realize that? My kids like to play with old cell phones. Do you guys ever hand the grandkids an old cell phone? You know? And um, they'll play all day. A dead cell phone is a great toy, isn't it? But it doesn't need to make any calls or do anything as long as the kid's imagination, and we can live our lives that way too. We're just essentially a throwaway dead phone being used by children, accomplishing nothing, no source of power, no connection. But it's our identity for us to, to connect with God in a way that fills us up, charges us up, empowers us to do things that we're made for. The second reason I think uh, it's important for us to abide daily is uh, it's an issue of utility. And Jesus illustrates this as well. He says in verses five and six, um, whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and, and burned. So what, what's the picture there is, are you gonna be fruitful? Now, a lot of times we substitute fruitfulness for productivity. And like a dead cell phone being a toy for a child, we can be very productive. How many of you guys like to get a lot of stuff done? But isn't it possible to the end of a day or the end of a week and to have accomplished a lot of things, but to have borne no fruit, to experience no spiritual transformation, to be no more loving, no more forgiving, no more forbearing, no more patient, no less angry, no more generous, no more connected in your relationship with God, no more like him, although you got a lot of things done. It's important for us as we recognize that we are branches, that he is the vine, that our identity is connected to him, that there's also a motivator there to, to be fruitful. Do you realize that God, fruit is a miracle. Uh, I told you this before, you've been around Christ Church any length of time, you know this, I have a, I have a black thumb. I kill everything. 
If you, some people give me plants, one of my neighbors, sweet, sweet neighbor, Terry, she brings over a plant and she's given this and she's saying, I just wanted to give this to your family. It's so beautiful. And I, I took it from her and I said, thank you. And I thought, I am going to kill this. That's what I thought. And not on purpose, I want it to live but I lack the ability to keep uh, plants alive. Now I'm trying to overcome this. I plant indigenous plants on my property. I have installed a sprinkler system. And so there's water available to the plants, but still I regularly just destroy living things. Now, some of you have a green thumb and everything you touch just blossoms and you get cucumbers this big growing in your backyard. And I don't, I don't even like you, honestly. <laughs> but there's a mysterious part of the growth of fruitfulness that even the best backyard farmer um, will recognize is something that's completely out of your control. Even somebody with a green thumb knows that like I can create the environment for fruitfulness. You can get plant in adequate sunlight and make sure there's adequate water. You can fertilize and pull weeds, other things people that keep things alive do. And yet it's a miracle when the fruit comes forward. We, we can't do that. And so this is what we need to recognize about our relationship with God is that we don't have the capacity in and of ourselves to create the fruitfulness. Doesn't mean you can't be productive. You can do lots of things. You can be very busy and you can accomplish a lot of things, but you can't bring about the spiritual fruit, the the transformation of your life to be more in line with the nature and heart of God or to be able to fulfill the purposes of God in the lives of other people. That is fruit that only comes when it's sourced by the vine. Do you see that? And so there's an issue of identity here. There's an issue of utility here. And then there's just an issue of reality. Um, And this is one of the things that happens with experience. So some of you in this room are 12 and some of you are 12 with 60 years experience. But we come to this recognition that that there's things that you think you can do that you just can't do. Uh, When you project your relationship, your romantic relationship when you're a teenager and you imagine falling in love and finding the right person. That's why I always think it's funny when people ask me, I think I married the wrong person. You did. You did. You married the wrong person. Because if you were thinking there was a right person, you were wrong. Do you realize this? Because what, what it takes to make a marriage actually thrive is fruit that you cannot bring about. It's only a matter of time before we just run each other off, before we make each other miserable. And the only change that happens, the only growth that happens between two people that's actually beneficial, that's not just productive, because you can settle into a cold compromise. You can negotiate your way into not divorcing, but is that fruitful? You can end up living in two separate rooms on two ends of the house and still filing your taxes married jointly, but that isn't fruitful, is it? And so there's this thing that happens as we live our lives that we recognize we, we have a need from outside of us, from above us. Addicts uh, very quickly realize this. I mean, this is part of the first steps of the 12-step program is you need your dependence upon a higher power, which is a fun way of saying it. But all of us, as we grow, we realize we can't do this ourselves. Try um, raising children. That's terrifying. I have friends who have teenagers. Tiffany and I got started a little later. We had seven years of infertility. And so our oldest is 12. And so when I talk to my friends with teenagers, I just thank God that I'm not there yet. And yet it's, it's terrifying uh, from bringing an infant home and being responsible for the life of that child to navigating all the parts of deve- early development and middle school and high school and adult children. And it doesn't actually end from what I hear. And so if you want to recognize your need for God, 
uh, and your need to daily depend on him to be able to know what to do in different situations and how to be a blessing to the people that you care about the most, there's a fruitfulness that only comes through a dependent relationship with God in which you receive something from him that's not inside of you. And so maybe that's not enough to convince you, but um, if it isn't, wait a while and you'll find yourself desperate. And I think I'm gonna write a sermon one day called The Gift of Desperation. Uh, because sometimes we hit rock bottom and that's when we actually go to the Lord with the sense of need that we ought to wake up with. Uh, But in the meantime, you be productive and we'll talk when you crash. The psalmist understood this. I I love this in Psalm 63, one to seven. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Have you ever felt soul thirsty? My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. The desperation of the night is a wonderful gift from God. Isn't it great? I'm not a, I'm not a worrier at night. I fall asleep very quickly. It's very annoying to my wife. It can be in the middle of a very tense situation, even like an argument between the two of us. And we decide, okay, we're, we're not being productive. We're gonna go to sleep and I can fall asleep in 38 seconds. And so some of you are plagued with the, the uh, I'm laying in bed, unable to sleep, thinking about all the things that trouble me. And, and you're here in this room because that's most people. But I'm one of those people that wait, if I happen to wake up at 3.13 a.m., that's when my worrier turns on and keeps me from going back to sleep. Anybody else like that? Good, I knew I had friends in the room. And so whether it's before you fall asleep or in the middle of the night, when we get washed with the desperation that comes from having a situation out of our control, that is where we can find ourselves meditating upon the nature and character of God, his steadfast love towards us and his promises that he will prevail in our situations. And so we want to cultivate this hunger to connect with God and not just make it a spiritual discipline. Psalm 42, one to two says, as a deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Then shall I come and appear before him. And so we wanna learn to trade in our sense of emptiness or need for the joy that Jesus promises. These things I've spoken to you, he says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so let's talk a little bit about how to. You guys ready for this? This is very deep and profound. It's not really actually, it's just really practical and helpful. Um, How to, how do we do this? Now, there are different types of people in this world. How many of you guys heard that there was a lunar eclipse last weekend? Did you hear that? There was a lunar eclipse. It started at 10 p.m. and it ended at 1 a.m. How many of you guys stayed up to watch the lunar eclipse? All right, both of you. How many of you had a spouse or a friend say, do you wanna watch the lunar eclipse? It's at midnight. And you said, you want me to stay up for a shadow? Isn't it interesting how there's different ones of us and we just see the world differently? Like, I love it when uh, like these astronomy websites, they'll be like, this will not happen again for another 441 years. This is your only chance to see it. 
And um, you know, that stuff like that happens every night in the sky that will never happen again for this many years. Uh, and so some of us are like, yeah. Same thing with rockets. SpaceX has a launch. And some people are out there with the binoculars. This is gonna be great. And other, and other people are like, what is everybody staring at? The big airplane that goes, oh, I don't know. Like, so we're all wired very differently. And so there's not a one size fits all. And this is important because there's type A and type B people. And type A people are like regimented and they're after it and they get an idea and they learn how to do a thing and they just do that thing and they do it consistently and, and effectively. And so I'm not necessarily a type A person. I saw this meme that made me laugh. This is the uh, type A person running past the type B person and the type B person says, don't you know you have to slow down and smell the flowers? And then the next frame shows the type A person. <laughs> Smelling all the flowers, flower smelling champion. And so I just want you to know that um, this is gonna fit everybody differently. Um, so you don't have to be a crazy type A person to do this. But look, look back at the passage, look at verse seven. I wanna show you there's three elements in here. They're important as we look to how to we do this. The first is uh, a relational element, a relational element. Um, verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you notice this conversation here? We get really hung up on the fact that it says, it will, whatever you ask will be done for you. All of us kind of like, I'm a little preoccupied with the whatever I ask. Can we talk about that a little bit more? But let me draw your attention to the word ask. Do you recognize that there's a conversation going on here? Jesus is forecasting a relationship between you and God in which you are asking him for things that are outside of your ability to make happen. And his answer to you is the provision of those things. Do you notice the relationship here? This is not, God is not a genie in the sky. He is not a cosmic vending machine. This is not a formula. This is not a, if you do these things, then you will get these results. You are in a relationship with the most high God through his son, Jesus, that you have received by faith. Do you realize that? And so there's a relational element here where we don't wake up to do a checklist of things, read our, read our Bible, say our prayers, um, committed to doing these things, memorize this passage. I'm gonna journal this many pages and now I've had my quiet time and now I have every expectation that the fruit will come. No, 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 no. No, the vine and branch analogy draws us to see that we are in a relationship with God and he wants to hear from us and he wants to speak to us. One of the men I admire greatly who wrote a bunch of books that you've heard of, and he was one of the instructors at my pastor's college. He was talking about his devotional life in his late 70s. And he said, at this point in my life, we were asking him like, how do you pray? And how much time do you spend? And he said, at this point in my life, I mostly just listen. And I was 26 at the time. He was 76, 78. At this point in my life, I mostly just listen. And my first thought was, what are you listening to? Because when I do that, nothing is said. It's just quiet. It's just me, myself, and my thoughts. Anybody ever felt that way before? The reality is by faith, we have to recognize that we are in a relationship with God. We are gonna ask and that we are going to see his answer as we walk with him daily. Secondly, there's a time element. This is why it's important that you don't have wrong expectations about what's gonna come out of your time spent with the Lord in the, mor in the morning. So you wake up, you open your Bible. Um, I drink coffee. Um, I'm addicted to coffee. I drink, I drink a lot of coffee. On vacation this week, I was getting coffee because we ran out of coffee and I went into the little hotel area and they had coffee and he's like, you getting your cup of coffee for the day? You one of those one cup coffee people? And I was like, I just wanted to slap this kid. He's like, no, I'm one of those people that drinks coffee until I fall asleep. I drink 12 cups of coffee by lunch. That's what I do. But thank you for bringing that up to me and making me feel terrible about myself. And so uh, for me, I'm one of those no coffee, no talkie people. So... 
me and, me and Jesus, I'm like, just a second, Lord. I just got to push this thing down. I'll be with you in 48 seconds. We can start this conversation. There's a time element. Um, we're in a relationship and there's a time element. The, I love the picture of fruitfulness too, because you don't just put seeds in the ground and then expect watermelons the next day, you know? And so there's, there's time that has to pass. Now, even as, that's why I love watching things grow in like fast speed. You watch those National Geographic shows. You see the little flowers opening and closing at night. Oh, this is cool. And then a little, and there it is. But life doesn't work that way, does it? It's not like the DIY channel where the kitchen remodel takes 38 seconds, right? It does not. It's not how it works at all. That creates an unhealthy expectation. So there's a time element. We need to recognize that we're in a process and growth happens uh, slowly. And then thirdly, there's a, a faith element. Part of this is gonna happen uh, invisible and inaudible. So one of the ways that God loves, well, the major way God interacts with us is by faith. Now he does break into our world and show us things and allow us to experience things and miracles do happen and we get to see those and experience those. But most of the time he wants us to, in a dependent way, relate to him while we can't see. While we could be tempted to believe he's not present because he is not visible or he's not answering us immediately. And he expects us to know him truly and then trust him over a period of time without being able to see the answer. And this is called faith. And if you wanna have a vibrant experience with God and walk with him by investing a small amount of time in a purposeful way every day, you're gonna have to have that faith element as well. And so here's the four how-tos. So if you're a note taker, if you have your cell phone, I need to take a picture, we're almost done. Here's the four. And I could have just given you these four, but I wanted to share the other things that we looked at together first. Here's the four. Plan, pray, ponder, and praise. You're welcome. They're all P words. Plan, pray, ponder, and praise. The first one is, is plan. Um, just decide. You can do this step one right here before you leave today. If you don't have a quiet time regularly, or even if you do, consider for a moment when's the best time for you and God to have time together. When's the best time? How many of you are self-professing morning people? So I'm, I'm like, I'm at my best hours are like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. And from 8 a.m., my productivity just, just spirals downward. Um, this is why there's not a lot of night meetings at Christ Church because at 7 p.m. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> why am I still here? That's, how I, that's, that's what happens to me in the evening. So I give the Lord my best time and my best time happens to be early. It's also the only time that it actually is quiet in my house. And so it is a quiet time when I get to the Lord early in the morning. And so I, I love early mornings. There's something to be said for that scripturally, but I don't assume that everyone's best hours are at, some of you take four hours to wake up. Let's just be honest. Like 11 a.m. you're like finally firing. And that's no problem. That's no problem. I don't judge you for that and God doesn't either. But maybe look at your lunch break. Maybe that's like your time when you have like cleared your mind and you can really focus. Maybe it's 10 o'clock at night. Maybe it's two in the morning. I don't know what's wrong with you people, but just figure out what's best for you and give God your best. And so plan, just do a little planning. And then, you know, just like you put it in your calendar, you make a plan. Just don't, 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 don't bail on God. Just like you wouldn't bail on a person, just make a plan. Secondly, pray. Somebody say pray. Um, if you've been a praying person for any length of time, and I've, I pray with people who are praying people, and sometimes, like we were even praying in here before, and Julian, my five-year-old, was sitting in my lap, and the worship team was praying, and people were taking turns, and there was a moment of silence. And you know, we're all just listening, and we're all just sitting in this moment, and Julian goes, why is no one praying? <laughs> like, whose turn is it? Which one of you didn't go yet? Sometimes we're just not comfortable in the silence. And so pray out loud. If you're new to prayer, 
just start praying out loud. It does wonders for you to hear yourself talk to God. It makes things feel more real. It helps you stay focused. If you're praying with other people, they know what you're praying about. And so pray, pray intentionally. Um, If you need to pray out loud, pray out loud. Um, And then uh, prayer is also like opening up a channel to God. It's not like you had a conversation with God and then he stayed at your house and you went to work. That's not how that happens. Do you realize that? And so you are opening up a, a channel with God and that channel stays open. Do you realize this? And so you can keep talking to him all day long. We have um, little walkie-talkies in our house. The kids always want walkie-talkies for Christmas. We have like a little Tupperware full of every year's new walkie-talkies. It's like we can't put batteries in the old ones. And they mostly just play with them um, for the flashlight and the beeping sounds, but they got a set of them working because they found eight AAA batteries and they're tuning them together. And so they're talking to each other only to discover that one of our neighbors also has a walkie-talkie that happened to have also been set on the channel. And so their minds were blown that somebody else was in their walkie-talkies, right? Uh, But the same thing is true with the Lord. Like if you tune in to the Lord and your channel's open uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon at seven o'clock at night, like you are still having an ongoing conversation with the Lord. And sometimes it's just, it's helpful for us to recognize that we can replace our old way of just cursing to ourselves with talking to God. And he's actually someone that can do something about the situations that we're in. Can I get amen? And so pray, pray um, out loud if necessary. Uh, pray continually and pray intentionally. And then thirdly, I wrote ponder. And you can put all of your other categories of stuff in here, read, study, meditate, memorize. And I would even say imagine. I like the idea of ponder because um, you're not gonna have all the answers to everything. I love it when people tell me that they're not Christians. And they're like, I read the Bible. No, I don't, I'm not a Christian. I'm like, you read the Bible? Like, like it was like a novel that once you've read, now you're good. Uh, that's not how the Bible works. And so I've, I've read the Bible dozens of times straight through. And every single time I open the word of God, something speaks to me. And sometimes I open the Bible to read the Bible and the Bible reads me. And so we have an encounter with God. It sometimes takes us just pondering, okay, what's happening here? And what is God saying? What do I need? And what am I not getting? What's, how is my heart not like the psalmist in Psalm 63? What's, what's blocking that? And so use your mind. If you don't understand what something means, look it up. I was thinking like, I'm gonna give all the resources, all the books that, that, are, that are great books. And I'm like, no, you have Google, you do it. You know, you wanna grow in your relationship with God? You wanna learn more? Google it, buy a book. Most of them are trash. Read them, don't be afraid to throw them away at chapter two. I do it all the time. I'm like, this is garbage. But every once in a while, you'll find a gem and you go, this is awesome. Here's a book I'm reading right now, uh, The Celebrations of Disciplines by Richard Foster. This was written three years before I was born. It's been updated four times. It's a classic and it's all about the spiritual disciplines and growing your relationship with God. Yesterday, I listened to, because like I told you before, I can't read. So I put my earbuds in, I got the audiobook, and I'm listening to his section on solitude. And I thought, that's not for me. I tried being, doing solitude once in pastor's college for three hours and I lost my mind. So some of you are better than me and that's fine, but I'm gonna continue to journey in my relationship with the Lord and ponder and think and think about and talk to God about. And so... Plan, pray, ponder. And then lastly, praise. Some of you are not music people. People say this thing to me sometimes. They're like, I love this church, but I come here after the music over. I'm not a music person. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, Some of you like classic rock. Some of you like classical. Some of you like country music. Uh, You're still allowed to come here. But music, music is the creation of God and it's a gift to humanity. Do you know this? Because music has the ability to evoke something in us that ideas do not. And so try this, um, get, get your Bluetooth speaker, your earbuds and your phone, get a music app, Spotify, Pandora, whatever you're, put a CD in, remember those? And put some music on and create a cover environment while you're connecting with the Lord and watch what happens. 
You might find that a part of you that isn't normally awake wakens up, an emotional part, a spiritual part, do you become tuned in? You also find that the lyrics of the songs you're listening to are actually making a difference in the way that you think and feel. And so it's also an opportunity for you to give your affection, your praise, your adoration to God. And so if you're not a music person, I, I would challenge you to cultivate that a little bit more. Maybe you just haven't found music that you like, hasn't connected with you. Maybe you're just not used to it. But part of our role as God's people is to praise him. Jesus receiving praise from people as he came into Jerusalem to die in our place was challenged because of the worship of people. The Pharisee says, do you tell your disciples to stop? And what did Jesus say? If they stop, the rocks cry out. And so in as much as you are a branch, you are also a worshiper. And so here's the how-to, simple, plan for it, pray, ponder, and praise. Can you do those things? Okay, then you posture yourself to receive what God wants to do. And so I wanna, we were gonna close. Am I take up all the time, Bill? I need like a red flash. Yeah, there it is. Uh, we were gonna close um, singing the blessing and um, I'm sure the third service will do that. <laughs> Positive. In fact, I was gonna say to some of you, we added three services so we could fit everybody. And this is the only service time that didn't change. So some of you were like, I didn't do anything different. But as you can see, like, uh, it's overfilling and people are sitting in black plastic chairs. So that's not, you could sit next to a person you didn't come with or in a black plastic chair. So you still have that option. Um, but the whole three service thing only works if people start going to other services, by the way. So remember we talked about connecting with other people last week? Uh, it might be your new small group might be breakfast on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock and then come at 1130. So maybe try that. And then we can like even these things out a little bit. That'd be good for everyone. That was for free. All right. I just want to, I just wanna um, conclude. I was, we were gonna sing The Blessing. It's a beautiful song. You can go listen to it. Oh, that's what you can do. It's your assignment. Go find The Blessing and listen to it in your car. Um, but it comes from Numbers chapter six and verse 22. And I just want you to understand that we are not just going to God to recharge our spiritual batteries. Um, and we are not just going to God to give him something praise to receive the things that we need. We're actually positioning ourselves under the blessing of God. Do you realize this? It's always been the intention of God to dwell with mankind. It's always been the goal of God to be the life source, not just physical, but spiritual. And his, his invitation has always been, posture yourselves before me. And he's the covenant creator and he's the inviter and he's the one who does all the work and he asks us to come. And when the people of Israel were gathered, the Lord spoke to Moses, number 622, and said to him, you speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. So the Lord says to Moses, Moses says to Aaron, Aaron says to his sons, the sons say to the people. And so there's a lot of um, messaging going on here, but the goal is that, they would hear this, this would wash over them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And so if you wanna live a fruitful life, if you wanna live a blessed life, posture yourself before the Lord, make a plan for it, spend some time praying, praising and pondering who he is. Open up that channel and walk in it. And I guarantee you, you will begin to see over a period of time, the miracle of fruitfulness in your own life. Amen. Amen. God, I pray for anybody in this room or online under the sound of my voice that has not yielded their heart to the Lordship and salvation of Jesus. God, he was cut off from you, apart from you, and does not have access to the life-giving blood of Christ. I gotta pray that they would take you at your word and put their trust in you today and say, God, I'm done being in charge of my life. You are the vine, I am not. 
I'm just a branch. And as I trust in you, Lord, I receive your life-giving spirit and the gift of eternal life. And I just pray, Lord, that that miracle would happen in someone's heart right now in this moment. And Lord, for each of us from that moment forward, I pray that we would learn how to connect with Jesus daily, abide in him, and experience the spiritual nourishment that we need to not just be productive, but to be fruitful. God, have your way in us today and every day and do the miracles all around us, in us and through us that only you can do. And if you have faith to receive it in Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I love you guys.